So today, it's my honor to introduce to you Brother Hunter Albright from Gospel Center Church here in Beaumont, right there on 105. He's a young man that has been bringing the word even at his church. He's uh, a spirit-filled young man that loves the Lord, and I know and I trust that he has a word for us today. And so without further ado, I'm going to take my place in the front so I can be right on the front row to hear what does saith the Lord. Brother Albright, would you come? Amen. Let the Lord use you. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. I just uh, first I just want to thank that uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak in front of uh, you know God's people. I tell you one thing about this church. I, I knew so much about y'all before I ever met y'all. I know that the Lord really loves y'all. Man. I tell you the Lord has spoke to me so much the past three weeks. Uh just give me revelation after revelation. I'm telling you what, I'm a I'm a whole different man than I was three weeks ago and I, I know so much more and I can't wait just to just to, to share the knowledge that the Lord has uh, given me. Man, it's a, it's a good morning. I got a great lesson. I can't wait to get started. Today, we're gonna, this morning, we're going to be talking about, do you really want it? Man, do you really want it? And we all act like we want stuff, but we don't, we're not actually doing what it takes. Man, we got to really, you know, we got to walk in what we really want. And we got to act like what we really want. Man. You know, everybody wants something, but not everybody is doing what it takes to get it. Man, it's hard to give someone a gift if they don't want to receive it. Man, the Lord's wanting to bless us. He's, 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 he, just, he has his hands out. He wants to bless us, but we're not receiving it because we're not really wanting it. He just wants us to want it. Man, if we, just, if we really wanted things, man, we would be walking in the blessings of God every day. Man. You know, there's nothing different about God uh, back in the biblical days than, than he is today. I mean, Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Uh, I mean, we should be walking in the blessings of Noah, Abraham. I mean, they were blessed men. And, man, we could have those same blessings this very day. There's three things you're going to have. And if you can understand these three basic words, three basic principles, man, you're going to be receiving the blessings of God. And this is what it takes to really want something. Your, your very first thing. Well, before we get into it, let's, I'm going to pray again. Uh, it's always good to pray more. We're going to pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity. God, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for the anointing that you've placed on me this morning. God, I just pray that you place the anointing on the listeners this morning. God, I just pray you, you anoint their ears. You have them have this message strike their hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that this message gets them not just they don't, not just they hear it, but they do it, Lord. God, and they're able to walk in the blessings of you, God, and they're able to really want it. God, we thank you so much. We love you. Amen. First thing you're going to have to have, and this is a, just a necessity among all Christians, and that's hope. Hope. It's just a basic word, hope. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, if you look in the dictionary what hope is, this is what they're going to say. It's a feeling of expectation, a desire for a certain thing to happen. But you've got to ask yourself, why? Don't, look in the def- don't look in the dictionary if you want to know the definition of hope. Because it is not found there. You know, uh, it's not some wishy-washy or maybe or kind of unsure optimism. I mean, the modern idea of hope is to wish for, to expect, but without certainty, without fulfillment. You know, it's desire very much, but without no real assurance of getting, you know, what you, what you desire. 
in Scripture, I mean, according to the Hebrew and Greek words translated by the word hope, and according to the biblical usage, hope is an indication of certainty. Hope in Scripture means a strong and confident expectation. Now, that is what really hope is. And I'll tell you one thing I've, I've really come to understand is Satan can't change what our Bible says. But you know what he can do? He can make, it, he can make us believe that it means differently than what it does. And he's been doing it ever since the beginning. He gets our words all mixed up. we got different definitions than, than what it was originally meant. And we go on believing what it says, but it, we have the whole wrong definition. And that is where the key problem is. If we could get back to the original meanings of what these words mean, wow, man, we could step in the real understanding of what this word really means. Man. Now, put your hope in God. This is the basic. Put your hope in God. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... Your salvation, I'm talking not just by words, but with your heart. Your salvation is secure. Man, your name is in the book of life. And this is something that for the majority, the body of Christ across the world has a problem. They're all stuck right here. And I don't want anybody here today to be stuck here. We're going to go to step two. We're getting out of step one. I'm going to go more into it. We're going to be reading out of Hebrews. I hope you brought your Bible because we're going to be reading a whole lot this morning. Hebrews uh, chapter 5, verse 11. Now, the writer of Hebrews had much to say about hope. In fact, it starts off saying that very thing. <laughs> Here we go. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. Verse 12, in fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, but still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings above, about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to the maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead from death, but of faith in God. Man, and this is what, it's, what he's trying to tell you right now. Is once you accept God, once you accept Jesus, you are saved. But you know what Satan does? He's, he's, this, you know, you know, he's the master of lies. He tells you you're still going to hell. He's telling you, and you're fighting hell when your name is in the book. And you never get onto the maturity. You never get onto the bigger things of God because you think you're still going to hell. And this is the problem that the church faces. Now, like I said, hope isn't a certainty. It's not. If you're wishing, oh, I wish I could make it to heaven, it, then you need to ask yourself, it is a certainty. And you need to have that certainty. Because I tell you, it's hard to go. I, I, I came from a church where we didn't have that certainty. I, I thought I was going to hell. I thought if I messed up, I'm going to hell. I mean, it was something I could never get onto the bigger things of God. I was stuck right here. 
And I tell you what, the, the writer of Hebrews, man, he's, he's, he's upset with them. You can tell from the beginning. He said, you ought to be teachers by now. Get, you got to get that out of your head. See, Satan's planning for your life at first is for you not to go to heaven. But then once you go to heaven, he says, okay, well, I'm going gonna, gonna to make it to where you don't do anything or you don't encourage others. You don't, you don't, uh, you don't become a light to the world. He keep on lying. He doesn't stop lying. And because you come to Christ doesn't mean he's going to stop lying to you. You know, like I said, we're not babes in Christ anymore. If you've accepted him, man, you need to get onto the bigger things. It says, you know, the meat, not the milk. A child has milk. They don't start them off on the bigger things. So once you accept him, and this is another thing too. If you're trying to witness to somebody, you start telling them about what the Bible says, how you should live your life. It's not going to make any sense to them because they haven't accepted Jesus yet. The Bible was written for the Christian. What makes, what makes you think they're going to understand anything until they accept Jesus? Man, then all the whole book makes sense. Because right now, it's just somebody who doesn't know Christ, it's just a rule book. But that's not what our Bible is. This is a book for a better life. This is a book of freedom, not of slavery. This is a book of freedom. And that freedom of Christ is righteousness. All sin is slavery, and they're stuck in slavery. They think that's the best life. They are so confused. Man, they are so lost. Romans fifteen thirteen. You don't have to turn to it if you don't want to. I'm just going to read it real fast, this one verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope. Wow. I like, I, lo- I like that verse. It's the God of hope. The God of certainty. And you can remember, we, got, we, got, we almost confuse what hope means. Remember, hope is certainty. It's a certain thing. The God of certainty. Put your hope in God. You, know, you can't put your hope in other things. One time, uh, this is actually a couple weeks ago, my truck broke down. I brought it to the play, uh, to an auto shop to get it fixed. I talked to the mechanic. Uh, he said, okay, uh, the truck will be ready uh, Friday morning. You show up around 7, and uh, we'll have it for you. Well, I had to work that day, so I had to be there in the morning. So I had my hope that my truck will be ready. I had somebody bring me there. Well, guess what? I get there, and nobody's there. Man, I had to wait till Monday because they weren't open all weekend. And that's the thing about it. You can't put your hope in anybody but Christ Jesus. Because he is never, when you show up, He's going to be there waiting for you. He was there way before you were there. He's been waiting for you, and he's never going to let you down. Never. And, and you, you know, your world, you see, you should, you should just, you just rotate around Jesus. Your world should be him. Because when, when you have it in other things, your world falls apart because nothing's secure, nothing like God. Man. Psalms 42.5. David, I tell you, Psalms, man. If you ever just read, read through Psalms, that's such a great book. It's one of my favorites. It's the longest book. But David's so great. He says this in 42, verse 5. He said, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David was in such a bad you know, it's He was such in a bad place at that time. <laughs> I mean... God told me he was going to be king. He was practically homeless. 
But I like how he talks to himself. This is something very, very, man, very powerful. He's saying, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? He's talking to his soul. He said, be, be uplifted. He says, yeah, he's saying, you know, don't be so disturbed within me. Put your hope in God. And I think it's important to do that. Because you know what? We're not just a one-part being. We got a flesh. We got a soul and we got a spirit. And, you, and they're very much different and they're very much the same. So you need to speak to yourself in a, in a sense like this. David's like, oh, my soul, why are you so disturbed? But you're hoping God. I will yet praise him. He praises him no matter what his situation is. Wow, that's important. My hope comes from God. That's where it's at. Where did hope start from? It started with God. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to this one. We're going to be reading a little bit here. Matthew. Look at Matthew, first book in the New Testament, chapter 19, verse 17. We've all kind of read... We've probably all heard this verse, uh, this group of scripture before. This is about the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus. I love, I love this whole story. This gives us such an outlook on life. And this is, this is the biggest lie the whole world believes. It's the same thing this man believed. Here we go. We're going to start in verse 17. So why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man replied. Jesus Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false witness. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I forgot to mention, but before this, he wanted to know what it took to to be perfect or to to inherit eternal life. So, Jesus is telling him, just obey the commandments. Now, this is what he says in verse 20. All these I've kept, the young man said, but what do I still lack? See, interesting. He knows he's still lacking something. He says, I'm a good Christian. Well, I'm lacking something. He's asking, what do I still lack? Jesus never said you still lack something. He knew it already. And it's not about being a good Christian. That's, that's the thing. That's, one thing. that's one part, but here we go. Verse 21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. The young man heard this. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Wow. He was hopeless to a better life. He thought it all was here. Man, this is just a blink of an eye. This, the, the, your treasure's here just going just gonna to rust. They're just going to go away. What are you gonna, you know, there's just nothing here for you. It's a sec- this, is this, this is nothing compared to the next life. He knew he had something missing. He wasn't able to give it all. Man, we got to give it all so we can have hope. Because he didn't have hope in God, and that was his problem. He didn't have his hope. He knew he was missing something. At least he had that. And he, did, he wasn't securing salvation because he wanted to hold on to this old world. Now, as great as hope is, Hope is an important part. It's really, you got to have hope before you get anywhere else. 
But the next part you got to have is faith. And faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. This, is, this is the biggest verse about faith. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, even Christians, uh, I mean, faith is something that people struggle with to understand. Uh, you know, we... I mean, we're going to get a, a full understanding this morning of what faith is really about. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to this. We're going to read a little bit here. James chapter 2, verse 14. Okay, here we go. I'm going to go and start. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds. Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I want everybody to say action. Action. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham's considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture said, fulfilled, it says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Wow, God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent him off in a different direction? And here's the key part. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You can't just believe. You have to do it. You have to walk in what you believe. I tell you, I had a guy. Um, he was a kid. He, he had nowhere to live. He was 18 years old, and, uh, and me and my roommate took him in, and uh, this man didn't have much. He didn't have a high school diploma. He didn't have a driver's license. He didn't have a car, a cell phone. He had nothing. Uh, we took him in. We, I said, well, well, we'll help you out until you find some place to go. Uh, about the second night, I, I called him in my room. I said, let's, you know, let's talk a little bit. So we talked, and I asked him what his goals in life were. What did he want to do in life? And he told me, you know, he wanted, uh, he, wanted to, he wanted to get his high school diploma. He wanted to get a car. He wanted, you know. And I said, okay. I said, well, if you're going to want that, you're going to have to get a job first. So I said, let's pray. So we, we sat and we prayed. We prayed that night. We prayed, Lord, uh, I prayed for him that he would find a job. Okay. Bam. That was it. Now, remember, this guy doesn't have a car. We prayed. And that was and the next morning. Or, he gets up in the morning, gets ready. And he walks around Beaumont looking for a job. Wow. 
And he does that, and he, and he does it again the very next day. Okay? Now, this is what's great. After the second day, he found him a job. He, he landed a job, a full-time job making $10 an hour. And he worked there until we found him a home. This is what's great. He really wanted it. And just because you have faith, oh, I, I believe God's going to bless me with a job, and then just sit at your house, an employer isn't going to come knocking on the door. Hey, I come to hire you. God sent me. You've got to walk in what you believe. It is not just about believing. It's about doing. It said, the, the Scripture says it's useless. It, if you're just going to believe without walking in it, you're doing yourself no good. No good. Because when you believe it, you, your actions show it. And you really want it. He accompanied his faith by action. He said, okay, God, I'm going to go get that job you have for me. And he didn't find it the first day. Did that bring it down? No. He got up again and walked. And he walked miles. He walked miles around and found, and found him a great job. Faith never gave us a reason to be lazy. Never. Now, uh, this is, I'm going to read it. We're going to go in your Bibles again. Matthew 4, verse 6. Now, this is Jesus and Satan. Uh, they're having a conversation on the mountain. Everybody kind of knows this story. There's so much in this uh, whole. There's so much in this whole uh, interaction. We're just going to take one part of it, though. But I could talk about this whole thing. There's so many different angles you could talk about, but we're going to talk about just one part of it. But it says uh, the devil says, "If you are the son of God," he said, "Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone." Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And what he's saying is, Don't jump into bad situations and test God with your faith. Don't put yourself in a bad situation and say, Oh, I got faith God's going to take care of me. I had a friend who truly loved the Lord. In fact, he's one of the... I've never met somebody who was so passionate in love with the Lord. Man, this guy really loved the Lord. He came to me and he said, you know, I have a problem. He said, no matter how much I work, no matter how much I save, I can't seem to catch up on my bills. You know, I tithe, I pray about this daily. It seemed like nothing's getting better. I said, my car payment is due uh, tomorrow and I don't have a dollar. Now, when he told me this, it really grieved my heart because the, the honest truth was the Lord told me what his problem was a month prior, and I didn't want to face him and tell him. Because let me tell you, when, you're, when you have friends, sometimes you've got to tell them the things they don't want to hear. And it's, I'm telling you, I learned this more than ever because I didn't want to tell him the truth because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. But you know what I did? I sat and, lot, and let him suffer for a whole other month because I wasn't real with him. And it's, I felt awful. And I knew I had to tell him at that moment. I knew I had to tell him. And I told him this. I said, I said, honestly, 
this car that you have, uh, the house that you moved in, the bills that you have, you've created them yourself. You put yourself into debt in, in such a way more than what you make. Now, you put yourself in this situation as in what you have to do. Man, you've got to ask God. You've got to ask God, Lord, please forgive me. I've been a fool. I've, made, I've, made, I've put myself in such a bad financial position. God, I've been a fool. And let me tell you, the Lord's not going to bless you out of your foolishness. You have to understand that you've been a fool. And you've got to ask God to forgive you. Now, we said, we prayed. He said, and he said it with, I knew he said it with his heart. He said, God, forgive me. I, I have, I've done some foolish things. I've done some foolish things. Forgive me. And let me tell you what happened the very next day. A man showed up at his house. And he says, hey, I came here to pay your car note. Wow. Came to pay his car note? Wow. Now, that, now that's something there. You have to understand. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. In fact, we make mistakes daily. And when you make a mistake, you've got to accept that it was a mistake. And God's not going to bless your foolishness, but you've got to understand that you've made a mistake. Forgive me, God, and mean it. Mean it with your heart, and God will bless you. I mean, we all make mistakes, like I said. But once you accept it and, for, and ask for forgiveness, you're in position to receive God's blessings. The, the third part and the biggest part of all is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is another word that we, we kind of get a little mixed up on. We throw, we throw the word love around like it's not a big deal. You, know, you talk about, oh, I, I love the cowboys or I, I love hot dogs or something. That is not, you, nobody loves hot dogs. Nobody. And nobody truly loves the cowboys. Maybe Jerry Jones, he might really love the cowboys. But nobody truly loves some sort of item. That, that, is, that is just wrong terminology. You don't talk like that because it's not true. Because you'll start getting mixed up with what love really is. Because love is such a deeper thing. If you go to Webster's Dictionary, this is what they say about love. Affection, strong liking, goodwill. But why would we, why would we listen uh, to what man's definition of, of what uh, love is? Let's look at the Bible. And this is, this is great. You can go in and throw out every man's definition right here. Because this is what 1 John 4, 8 says. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you're not a Christian, you don't even know what love is. If you haven't accepted Him, you don't know what love is. Before I came to Christ, I, I really liked things. I didn't love anything. Man, I didn't love nothing. I only liked things to a strong degree. But there is something so much more. It is so much more. The true definition of love isn't found in the dictionary. It's found in the Bible. Let's see what it says. And, and 
I'm, I'm sure almost a lot of people might know where we're going. We're going to 1 Corinthians 13, 4. We're going to verse 4. The whole, ver- the whole chapter talks about it. Now, if you read this to somebody in the world, they're going to call you crazy. And so that is not a real thing. And they're right because they can't comprehend this kind of love. Nuh-uh. This is what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. Wow. Man, you you tell somebody that. They might agree with you, but they're not in their heart. They'll say, that's impossible. Man, I tell you, love never fails. Love is the most powerful thing. It's the most powerful thing ever. There is nothing more powerful. There is nothing more, no emotion that is so much more powerful than love. If it wasn't for love, we would not be here today. Our, our, our situation would not look good. It would look kind of grim. <laughs> but because of love, we have a, we have a chance, we have an opportunity to, to be with God. And it is such a great thing. This is what love is also. We have, there's so many verses about love. John 15, 13. Greater, no greater love has one than this. That he laid down his life for his friends. You know how you can witness to somebody about Jesus and, and the Bible without even talking about the Bible? As you say this. Because there's historical documents about Jesus. There's uh, the apostles. You know what? They believed so much they were willing to die. Now, nobody's willing to die for something they believe in 95% of. If they truly believe in something, they're saying, I will die for this because it is the truth. And they were willing, all of them were willing to die for it. Wow. They really believed. And that says something in itself. And I noticed one thing. There was... Before I came to Christ, there was uncertainty in almost everything. There's nothing I truly believed in 100% until I came to Christ. And then I finally became 100% in at least something. And then as as the more revelations came to my life, I started really understanding things in a deeper way. First John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for the love comes from God. Everyone who love has been born of God and knows God. Like I said, you gotta you gotta be born. You gotta be born again. Now you know what love is. I love this 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 is a very powerful scripture. Galatians five fourteen. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's think about this verse. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the problem a lot of us have. We don't love ourselves. And it starts right there. The very part the very first part of it is love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you don't love yourself, 
It's hard to love anybody. And you got to really love yourself. You got to really love yourself. I mean, imagine, you know, imagine if you had the same kind of love you have for your child or your brother or your sister or your mom. If you had that for somebody down the street. Imagine if you had that kind of love. How much power would be behind your prayers for them? I tell you, because I know this, my, my prayer for my mother is so much more powerful than some celebrity in Hollywood. Because I don't, I'll be honest, I should love them. But I tell you what, there's a love that we haven't achieved yet. And if we could love them and, and feel them and see the way, because this is the thing is, we don't love them because we don't see them the way God sees them. We don't see them as some lost soul who, who's, their destination is hell, and we don't know how, we don't really think about hell, how bad hell's going to be, and how long eternity is, because we can't comprehend that. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people lost who are headed to hell. And when you pray for their salvation, think about how horrible hell's going to be, and how much you love them, and you don't want that for them. Because when you have power, there's so much power and love. And when you really want it, it happens. Things change. I would not be here this morning if it wasn't for my mother's love. Praying for my salvation. Praying for me to change my life. I would not be here. I was lost in this world. I was believing all the lies. And my mom cried and prayed for me every night until I finally came around. Because she really wanted it. And the thing about a mother's love, it's a supernatural love. It's a love Already put into existence from the beginning of time for a mother to care for her young. I learned this when actually I had a cat and she had kittens. And one of the kittens was stuck inside of her. She had two of them, but one was stuck inside. So I had to bring her to the vet. So I loaded up the kittens. I loaded up the cat. Well, when I had him in a little pet taxi, well, my cat escaped. Uh, she jumped out and ran off. And she knew where she was going. She didn't want to go to the vet, you know. <laughs> so she escaped. And I was like, oh, I guess I was trying to call her. She wouldn't come to me. I didn't know what I was going to do. So then I had the, some came to me. I said, what I'll do is I'll open the door. I'll open the pet taxi. And, uh, and, and the kittens, they had never been away from their mother at that point. And, they, and so they just started meowing. Man, they were, man, they were screaming, Mom, Mom, what, what do you know? She comes, she couldn't resist. She couldn't leave her young. Because a, a mother's love is supernatural. She could not possibly leave her kittens. And I got her to come back in just from her kittens. Because a mother's love is so, so powerful. And if you have a child here, if you have a child that's not, that's not saved or a child that's lost in this world, I'll tell you right now, as a mom or a, a parent, your prayers can change their life. I'm a living example of that, truly. But I want you to say this. If you had that same love, like you had for other people. Wow. You know what helped me? Uh, I prayed to God. I said, God, I want to love more. I want to love more. And I said, help me see them the way you see them. Help me see the pain in life. And I was able to see it. And wow, it changed me. I see people differently. I don't, when you, when you, you got people in the world sinning and they're being worldly, we, we tend to, like, think they're doing something wrong. Why? They're, they're in the world. They're being worldly. That's what people in the world do. We shouldn't judge them. We should be sad. That's sad. It's not anything different. It is sad that they're so lost. They're so deceived. That's so sad. 
it is really sad. It's nothing but sad. And you can have sadness. You, you have love for them. You start developing that love. First Corinthians 13.1 If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but not have love, I'm only a resounding gong. Or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains but have not love, I have nothing. Wow. Verse 3. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. If you're not praying out of love, it's useless. He's saying, if you could have all the things in the world, you could have all the faith, you could you could be as great, but if you're not praying for people out of love, you're not really wanting it. It's not getting anywhere. It's like when I was a kid, I would go to the to the grocery store. I'd go to the uh, you know go around do do errands with my mom. We'd go to the grocery store, and I would ask for things. Oh, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? And she'd say. So you say no. And if I said, can I have this? And she said no. And then I'd have stopped. I wasn't going to get that. But I knew if I continued to ask, she would give it to me because I really wanted it. Bam. That's how you do it. That's how we do it with God. Continue to ask. And when you really want something, you continue to ask. You don't just ask once. Oh, God, I pray for their salvation. And then a week later, you ask for it again. I mean, you pray until it happens. Pray until it happens. You pray things until it happens. It says pray without ceasing. You keep on praying until things happen. And you know why you keep praying? Because when you keep on praying, like I said, you really want it. And that's what it's about, really wanting things. God wants us to really want this Christian life, to, to live it to the full maximum. And if we really wanted it, we would be walking in, in this, the uh, blessings of God. The, we would see supernatural things. We, we're supernatural beings. We are, we are of Christ. God, the creator of the universe, places spirit in us. Why aren't we seeing supernatural things daily? Now, we, we just need to walk more and really want it. See, this person, if, if, he's doing everything right. He's given to the poor. He's a prophet. He's got faith to move mountains. Wow, he can fathom all mysteries. This guy has all kind of everything, but he doesn't have love. And it's nothing. It's nothing. The love is the most important thing you could ever have. The only reason you're saved is because of love. It, it started there, but it doesn't stop there. It continues going. We're going we're gonna to pray. I'm, I'm gonna, Jared, you can play something for me real quick. This morning... You have to ask yourself a question. Do you, do you love God? Or do you, just, do you just really like Him? Do you really like the idea of God? And that sounds good. That'd be great if it was real. You know what? I've seen some of the wildest things before I came to Christ. I saw things I couldn't explain. I've seen things in the spiritual realm that I could not explain. But you know what I really believed? Is that Sunday I went forward... 
and I asked God to come into my heart. And that's the day I truly believed and I truly knew he was real. I came to him and said, God, I need a savior. He came down. I want everybody's heads bow. We're going to pray. Lord, I know very much that you love these people. God, I know you love these people. It's such a great deal, Lord. I could tell by the way you wanted to get this message across to these people, Lord. If you're here this morning, and I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you or anything like that, but if you're here this morning, and, and one of these things, at least one thing spoke to you, and you're saying, man, that's me. i got to really get things right. i got to really try to love and really want things, and I really need to have hope in my salvation. And Man, I've, I've had different views about faith, and I, I guess I've been wrong. And I, I, God, I really need your help. Help me, God. You really need help. And you want the Lord to see that you really want to walk in these things. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you really want it, you're going to raise your hand. Wow. Lord, you've seen all the hands. God, I pray for everyone that raised their hand. Even some that they, they don't know if they could raise their hand. They, they wanted to, but maybe they were a little scared. Lord, I pray for them anyways. But Lord, I pray for these people. God, I just pray that you, they're able to walk in these things, God. They're able to see the blessings of, of you, God. They're able to want these things. So, Because you, you want to bless them more than anything. You want it infinitely more times. Lord, help them become this. Help them become such a greater, greater light to the world. God, give them a heart for the lost. Give them a heart for the lost, Lord. I pray for any of these people who their friends, their family might be lost, Lord. I pray that they're able to transform and change their life just like I was changed, God, by one of yours.